So today I am talking to my friend Sophie Fletcher and Sophie is a hypnotherapist and a writer and has written three rather fabulous books and I'm going to test myself. Can I remember what they're called? Well I can remember what the, the one that interests me is called and that's Mindful Menopause, that's your latest one. Yeah. And there's one for new mums, Mindful Mama. That's for new, new mothers for the first year, yes, from birth. Oh, and mindful birthing. No. Mindful hypnobirthing. Yeah. Yes! Well I done. <laughs> and there's and, an audio book as well called The Here oh, and Now. And The Here and Now. And what yeah. is that about? That's a collaboration with um, some other writers, and it was an audio book that was done right at the beginning of lockdown on different mindful approaches to life. So there's someone doing some cookery, there's someone, so there's lots of variety in there. So it's quite interesting. Thank uh, you. I shall check that out. It sounds great. Yeah. And I must also say Sophie is a, is, a, is a good egg and we have really good, <laughs> which is the, my highest accolade. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. So are you. <laughs> and uh, we have really interesting conversations about our work because we've both been doing it a long time. So I wanted yeah. to... Um, talk about oh yeah and I get a cold I get internal cold shivers I want what we thought we'd talk about was the commodification of our private lives involved in social media yeah and how we avoid it really and how we well you might avoid I dance dance around it yeah yeah, yeah it's a constant conflict it feels like a constant conflict and you you know you're right it's more of a, a dance but not, sometimes not a very pretty dance it's more like a kind of dance <laughs> yeah so when I when I started out when I started out back in the old days in the 1990s <laughs> you really are an old timer aren't you <laughs> much to my surprise I find that I am which is interesting because I don't feel like it I feel like I'm I am so fresh and wide-eyed but anyway back in the 1990s I would put a like a two-inch ad into kindred spirit and that would be the extent of my advertising and that felt pretty scary and some things on the local supermarket board (laughs) (laughs) And now the culture is such that I make a visual and um, written, basically, advertisement or of some kind every day. Yeah, it does. It just feels like that. And it's, it's more than that, I think. It's not just the advertising. I, I, I think it's the burden of other expectations as well, um, I think. Um, so put in, having, yeah, to put your life on display. And as a therapist, that feels, obviously, it feels totally unnatural. And, um, you know, that's I struggle with it all the time. And as a writer as well, you're expected to be out there and you're expected to have a profile and of course, it's all about authenticity as well. And you know, and I know that 
anything on social media has better engagement if it's about you. And so there is this conflict between not wanting to post about you, but feeling like you need to in order to get the profile that you need to achieve or do what you you want to do. And I fell into writing. It wasn't, I mean, I want, always wanted to write, but I kind of just fell into it. Um, and um, like you, it, I've been, been working as a hypnotherapist for maybe 16 years, I suppose. Um, so Facebook wasn't even a thing really when I started. Um, so it wasn't a problem. And I, I love that the sirens come as soon as you yeah, I know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, emergency. What's, my inner world is my outer world. <laughs> Damn right, Damn right it is. Um, and um, yeah, and so I got my first publishing deal from the quality of my writing it was my blog and that's that was nothing to do with really not very much to do with my private life and um but that's changed so much in the last 10 years and and so as a writer I don't feel that my sales or how my book gets out there is based on the book itself and the writing um initially certainly it's more based on my following and as a therapist that's really tough really hard so um but yeah and I think I've spoke I don't know like you I mean all my everyone else I work with other therapists have the same have the same issue and we don't really we talk about it off social media but I can see the struggle that a lot of people have on social media so what 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 for you are the biggest challenges Kate what do you find? Being out there. I think, I mean, I I am getting, um, setting my digital boundaries more firmly. So as we record this, we're just coming up to a full moon and every other full moon I take three days off. Yeah. I don't post on Sundays and I have like day, daily kind of structures that, that try to keep me away from social media as much as possible. Because what happens, and I am going to answer your question, <laughs> I go around the houses here, what happens is that I, unless I put firm boundaries in place, I have a constant low-grade um sort of low-grade anxiety about oh should I be am I missing something here should I be more out there mm. and so my attention and it's, it's much too much in my head what should I post how how do I navigate this boundary yeah so my yeah. attention is out there I'm pointing in the garden you know my attention is always slightly too much out thinking about what I need to do in the world and away from what I need and so it's very it's very generalized and broad and you know for an example oh what was it there was something on the news and there was a guy oh I know it was it was a golfer on the on the on the breakfast radio and he said I can't remember what his name was but he said um I just have to be me and that's enough. 
And my partner, Ian, turned around to me and said, you're going to you're gonna put that on Instagram, aren't you? And I went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly what I was thinking. And that, you know, I'm not, I'm not listening to the news. I'm reacting to it in a way of how can I use this? Yeah. Time. And I hear myself say that and I feel so much shame, actually. Yeah. I even feel a bit teary. I feel mm. it, it's not a good way to live. And we haven't even got to my, I mean, I, I, I can speak a bit about commodifying my private life. And I'm, I said to Leora, my partner yesterday, um, I'm really glad that when I was in perimenopause, this didn't happen. So that was, I'm 56 now. So that was like, say, six, seven years ago, this requirement to share to overshare all the time was not there so this is this is quite recent I think you know it's within the last five years that this has changed and I'm so glad that I had that because I I you know I had all the perimenopausal existential um stuff about being lost and that's supposed to happen we're supposed to not know who we are because we're in we're in a liminal place Yes. But the and now that I'm sort of out of it and I've I I have used bits of my life in my book and I do use sometimes in on social media. And what happens by writing about it, it it is reductive. It makes my experience yeah. two-dimensional and smaller than it is. And it's I hate it. I exactly. You know what, Kate? It's exactly that. It's it's so reductive. And when you're working so deeply with emotions and feelings in the way that therapists do, it's it feels so empty. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and it is, it is 2D. And um, you know, it it's yeah, it's consuming as well. So it's just we're consumed by this 2D world when actually our drive and our intuition is all immersed in something much bigger. Yeah. And so I think there is this existential conflict um, with that. And um, I've tried intellectualizing things on social media a bit more and doesn't go down well. And I've got <laughs> I have I have got a friend who writes brilliant posts. She's she's an existential psychotherapist and she writes excellent posts. She's got a beautiful grid. Who's that? Name her, name her. Let's, Lisa let's Gates. Say it again. Lisa Gates. Lisa Gates, okay. And she's a really close friend of mine. She lives down the road. We've known each other for a long, long time, and she is a deep thinker and and, and I love her her posts. And she just she says, I don't get that much engagement on them. And it's because she's She's a deep, she writes, she's a deep thinker and she writes good quality posts, but people don't want that. They just want to scroll. And that's the, you know, when you're absolutely right in saying it is reductive. Um, And the issue with that is the people with the real experience, with the real qualifications, the real skills um, aren't, don't don't I, I, there, I think there are a few people out I'm not going to generalize there are a few people out there who do who I, looks like they cope with that balance really well 
Um, but I think there are a lot of people out there, and this is where I see kind of the thing that I think riles me the most is that there are a lot of people who are not therapists who are out there and selling these messages in a very reductive way and getting massive followings. Um, selling what messages? The, the things that we work with. So, I mean, there's, I think there's a whole wave of this light touch well-being um, uh, happening at the moment, and it's just scraping the surface. Um, and I think there is so much of it around that it starts to feel like that's enough, and people think that that's enough, and that's all there is to feeling feeling better, to feeling well, to feeling good in themselves. Can you be more specific? What What do you mean by light touch well-being? Oh, it's okay not to be okay. Those sorts of okay. you know those sorts of memes. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that's one um, that springs to that sort of thing. There's loads of them around at the moment and they're beautifully illustrated. They look, look lovely. Um, and then it's a quick message and that's it. And someone said, yeah, and they're very, very light touch. And I think those light touch things can be really helpful, but I think that it's, I don't think it is enough as a therapist. I do think you have to go beneath the surface and you can't do that on social media. Um, and yeah, that's where my conflict is. And, and feeling like I have to have that following as a writer in order to get the publishing contracts. And, and do, you think, do you think, is, is that true? So to get, to get the deal, you Depends on which publisher you're with, I think. Um, but certainly I have had experience in the past of um, one of the questions is what's your what's your social media following? And we're not sure you've got a big enough profile in that area. Those sorts of comments. Uh, okay, okay. Now I'm thinking, uh, I'm yeah, thinking yeah, that. those sorts of so yeah, so those sorts of comments. And I have seen my work. Um, picked up by big celebrities with followings on Instagram and just go stratospheric. And yeah, you know, it's so I, I see that happening quite a lot. Um, and so, yeah, as but I can't put myself out there, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do that to my family, to my kids because it just feels wrong to put myself out there in that way. Actually, like you, I have quite a visceral response to that. It makes, I can feel it in my body. The idea of putting my life out there just makes me feel physically sick, actually. Um, and um, yeah, so that, like you, I'm constantly thinking about it, constantly thinking, I haven't posted for a week or I haven't posted. And I am letting that go. I've had enough now. <laughs> I think, but it is watching your watching this happen, sitting, being able to sit back and allow it to happen and let go, like you say said earlier, surrendering to it and just thinking, you know, I'm just, I can't do that, so I'm not going to do it, and it will be whatever it is, um, and you know, 
the thing that, and, and I do watch people with massive followings just put a book out there and immediately they're in the bestseller list, number one, and they've got a huge following. And, um, and I know that if I did more and I focus more on it and I put more out there that I would sell more books. So that, was, that brings us back to commodification of your life. That's essentially what's, what's going on. I put myself out there. I get a bigger following. I sell more books. And I just and don't you, really... And you would maybe learn to tolerate feeling slightly all that vice. I mean, I'm, I'm a body. I'm a, I'm a recovering body psychotherapist. <laughs> So I have to point out that if you did that and you put yourself out there and you sold more books, then you would have to find an internal way of tolerating that tightness inside your viscera. But I don't want to do that because I think that's my intuition saying, stop. No. Yeah. It's just not, but it's not, and it's not about me. It's about my kids. It's about my, my family. Mm. It's I'm not just commodifying my life I'm commodifying theirs and that's not right I have a responsibility to protect them and also allow them choice and my kids are not on social media they don't have an Instagram account they don't have a Facebook account one of them is on discord with their tight group of friends from school Um, another has Facebook messenger and Instagram messenger because that's how their school friends communicate they use the messaging but they don't have any social media profile and that's their choice and I'm really proud of that that's not been influenced by me in any way whatsoever because I have in the past had moments where I've said oh god let me take a photo for social media (laughs) and they said no and I, and that's they're they're drawing a boundary, and they are able to verbalize that. I mean, I work with lots of very young mothers, for example, who, I mean, if you look at um, mothers on Instagram, from the moment babies are born, they're on social media, and they don't have a choice. They aren't able to say no. I don't want that, and that you know that I find really quite difficult as well because where where will people have boundaries in the future? You know, and again, you're, there is no privacy, no sense to explore yourself outside of that. Mm. Yeah. And your world, as you put it. um, What it means is that attachment process is then visible to the world. Yeah. And that is, that's world dodgy. Yeah. But why is it, you see, people would say, why is that dodgy? Someone who's not, doesn't work in this field would say, why is that dodgy? Why does that really matter? Well, because our, the way, the style of attachment that we make to our mothers early in life sets up our patterns of behaving forever. And if it's exposed to the world, then, then we are then the mother's attention is, oh God, I feel really, I'm so sad. The mother's attention is on what it looks like, not on the child. And actually I have a friend who's stopped a very, very experienced and, you know, she'd been teaching yoga for like 30 years or something. And she stopped doing pregnancy for this reason, that the mother's attention was um, on their screens and about how they looked. So what does that do to a psyche if it is 
because babies are smart, if babies feel the attention is, is on appearance. I mean, I touch on this in my book because it's quite, um, people who've mentioned it before have had a bit of a backlash. And I touch on it in my book, my second book. And I've actually got an exercise where I ask the mother to put the phone when she's feeding, just to put the phone just once the other side of the room and notice what she feels when she does that Mm. and with her baby and the phone and just to notice that dynamic because we talk about the dyad between the mother and baby and it's becoming a triad between the baby the phone and the mother but we're digressing a bit and um yeah yeah we are but i think but i think this is this is part of this whole thing about where how we hold our attention for ourselves. And I, and I wonder, this is kind of, I'm just formulating a question for you. How does this dance between, dance with social media, dance with your social, sorry, dance with your private life and social media, does that impact your one-to-one work with clients? Do, do your clients come with um, extra projections? about you i i mean i post in a way that i hope it doesn't reveal too much about myself um i that and that's that constant dance is it takes me ages to write a post because i don't want to give too much of myself away but i want to demonstrate how i can normalize my practice in my daily life so if my clients are reading it they can think oh yeah she does that or she's you know I can see how that method she taught me works or whatever because I'm using it myself but I don't do a lot of very intimate stuff and if I have done I generally feel oh I don't wish I hadn't done that and take it down Mm -hmm. if I write anything that's really out there um but yeah, a lot of it is so light touch that I wouldn't call it, you know, you know, it's just, it's just like an extension of your therapy room. It, that's the, that's, I, I suppose what it is. You think, you know, you've got to have a clean space, no personal photos, no this, you know, you've got to have, um, and really social media is an extension of your therapy room. And that's because it's so drummed into us about having this clean space and, and it's not a clean space it's not and so yeah and I think that's where the dance comes in that that that, you know I've never really thought about that in that way I guess but yeah it is it's an extension and I should also it also makes me think that you I had that education early on that that I should come in clean with clients but that's shifted over time, and I'm very open. I don't. I no longer. I'm no longer that kind of therapist. That um, I bring myself in fully. I mean, really fully. Yeah. I suppose it's. I don't know whether it's we work in different therapies with hypnotherapy. It's there's a, there's a big variation in how uh, different modalities will manage. Exactly. This. So I think we should, we should acknowledge that. I think. Yeah, and I think different people work in different ways the testimonial thing as well I think is interesting because it was always drilled into me from a hypnotherapy perspective not to ask for a a testimonial because 
by asking for it, you're su- you're putting you're suggesting that they give it to you, which alters the dynamic. And um, you know, and they it's the, the yeah. And so I feel very uncomfortable asking for testimonials. Um, very uncomfortable and other other hypnotherapists do and that in hypnotherapy that's been relaxed a little bit I think generally um but I still would wouldn't use I mean I, for my if people write to me and say I loved your book about this about your book and this really helped me I will ask if I can use that on social media anonymously so I always am very cognizant that I, I can take that back at any time um and it's it's anonymized um but I would never ask a private client for a testimonial or put that on social media. Yet I see a lot of coaches and people doing that. Um, and that's absolutely, that's one of my lines. I, I absolute line I would not cross. Um, I would not commercialize my client's experience. <laughs> Oh, I've got the inside shivers again. <laughs> it's, it's a very, and I, when I train others, I train other um, hypnobirthing teachers and I really drill that home. And if a couple says, yeah, you can use my story and photo of the baby and everything. I say, well, if you are going to do that, do it as a link from your website. Do not put it on Instagram because then you can take it down um, in the future so um, I'm very, very, I drill that into people I work with. That is one of my lines I do not cross. So, so um, much, Sophie. Oh, you were going to say something else. You got another gem there. No, no more gems. Just, oh, you're out of gems. Just, just lines that we shouldn't cross or don't feel we can cross or yeah. can cross, but don't. And <laughs> I think what I've learned this morning is the variety, the sort of, I started saying a dance, but it really is a dance. The, the boundary shifts. For me and it is different for everyone but that I had again that's such a visceral feeling about what's okay and what's not so okay it's yeah. been really I've really learned about how my um esophagus my esophagus is very articulate <laughs> about this social media dance you feel it in your throat and your esophagus because that's your voice being isn't it it's all where the self-expression and voice. So if you feel it in that area, it's literally saying, no, no, can't do that. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's your body saying, don't, don't do that. Don't speak that. Don't say that. So, so yeah, lovely as always talking to you, Kate. Um, I could go, we could talk about this for ages and I know that we're going to talk to other people and everything. So oh. So a seed. I'm going to go and talk to someone. You're going to go and talk to someone and they're going to go and talk to people and create this interesting little repository. Mm-hmm.